ghost kitchen concept came out due to you know the inflation of the rental prices over the glo- right. globally, right? Yes, right? yes. And so it's really the game of how I can utilize my、um, you know empty spaces. Or you know my uh, underutilizing um, you know、uh, efficiencies, as well as how I can cost down my rental property rents. Rock stars, the pandemic has absolutely shifted the way we all do business, and I know that my own operation has pivoted numerous times. I'm sure your operation has pivoted as well, and there will be. Continued pivots into the future. Well, it seems like the time has come for virtual or ghost kitchens. Think about this: imagine the labor shortage. It's the worst crisis that's hit this industry since the pandemic. It's still going on. A lot of operators have struggled with finding and keeping a great staff, and we've been forced to shut down hours and days just to serve the public because business is booming. Well, imagine if you lowered your overhead and you increased your efficiency and you had less labor. And you simply became a kitchen serving food to third-party delivery serviced customers. Well, think about it. This episode is all about again the opportunity of the virtual kitchen, and I'm speaking with Mr. Michael Liu, and he is the executive vice president of a concept called Just Kitchen. So stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss this. It may be a new opportunity for your restaurant operation. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Rockstars, let me tell you about Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed for restaurateurs. By restaurateurs, effective labor management is more important than ever to maximize profit and success, especially now as restaurants begin to reopen and expand their teams. Trusted by over half a million restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to simplify scheduling, easily manage time and attendance, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll systems you already use and trust, turning your team into a competitive advantage to your business. Right now, Restaurant Rockstars listeners can get three months absolutely free. Get started now at sevenshifts.com forward slash restaurant rockstars. That's the number seven s h i f t s dot com forward slash restaurant rockstars to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Now on with the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Our goal is to help restaurants not only survive as we come out of the pandemic, but really thrive in the future, and also to rediscover the passion of why you're in this business, why you got into this business in the first place, and to really dig deep, get resourceful, and give you new creative ideas. So, with that, I'm really pleased to introduce Mr. Michael Liu, and he is、uh, the Executive Vice President of Just Kitchen, which is a leading ghost kitchen operator. Welcome to the show, Michael. How are you? Today,、uh, thank you, Roger. I'm really glad to be on the show, and、um, you know, I'm really excited to discuss、um, the future of restaurants and kitchens. Well, that's super important to operators today, especially as they sort of struggle to figure out what's next. So,、um, thanks for joining us. So, let's let's talk about your backstory. I usually always start with you know the backstory of my guest, and some people go way back to when they were teenagers and they worked at a、yeah. McDonald's, and you know, it really doesn't、sure. matter where your story starts. But tell us. Tell us about how you got into the hospitality space, and I also want to talk about your experiences with Deliveroo. So, take us through the whole thing. 
Oh, for sure. So um, I'm actually born and raised in Taiwan, but I moved to uh, Canada uh, with my family around 12 years old. And, you know, being the Asian family, it's all about, you know, engineering backgrounds. So, you know, my father is a civil engineer. Uh, so is my sister. So I kind of dive into the engineering during college and found no passion there at all. <laughs> but I still finished the degrees. And, uh, but uh, during college, I actually was working uh, part-time at Starbucks. And that's pretty much when um, Howard Schultz kind of uh, came back after his retirement from Starbucks. And it really moved me about the passion and you know, the, you know, the, the emotions that can be created with food. And that's what really get, gets me excited uh, you know, over the years. And I decided to actually uh, full spear into um, food and beverage afterwards. So I, I then become like a um, you know, store managers, climb my way up to become a district managers. And, you know, after a couple of years later, I, I found myself, you know, looking after franchises, you know, started my company uh, with, um, you know, about 35, 40 stores exited. And then that's when uh, I kind of talked to myself after 10 years about what's next. And, you know, surprisingly, actually, Deliveroo came, you know, um, came to me because they were looking at someone to uh, lead the operations to come into Taiwan at, the, at that time. And that really strikes me because I, I've never thought myself as a tech person, <laughs> uh, but more of a brick and mortar FMB experience. Of course. And, um, and you know, I, I think uh, Deliveroo actually took a leap of faith as well uh, on me to actually develop in the country. And, you know, I, I think they were pretty glad uh, that we worked together because, uh, you know, with my F&B background, I really know, you know, the brick and mortar of the business as well as, you know, what kind of pain points that the operators are facing. So, you know, we really could bring, you know, benefits to the operators at that time. And uh, I think uh, for for Taiwan uh, with Deliveroo, we actually established such a great relationship um, with our operators, with our restaurant partners and our writers. And, you know, we were becoming strat strategic partners rather than, you know, we're talking about just fees. We're talking about, you know, commissions and stuff. So it was a really great, you know, holding hand moments for us, I think. So was Deliveroo just a traditional third-party delivery service that uh, grew and grew and grew? And, uh, you know, it's still operating today, but you've obviously changed uh, your career trajectory since then. But tell us more about, you know, what you learned at Deliveroo and how things worked and what worked and what didn't work and how that translates into the Just Kitchen model now, which we'll get into in depth. Oh, for sure. Well, I think uh, Deliveroo on the, you know, uh, when we strip it down, definitely we can say it is a third-party aggregators for delivery services. But, uh, you know, on top of that, I think it's the passion from the CEO, Will Shu, who's really thinking about, you know, how to bring that great experience from, you know, customers uh, from the kitchen to the customer's home. And I think that we really work a lot uh, on, you know, improving the delivery service experience 
as well as at the same time, how to create a win-win situation with the restaurants. So um, I think that we spend a lot of time, not just working with restaurants, but also coaching restaurants, coming up with strategy sessions to teach our restaurants on, you know, how to increase their sales or, you know, how to pivot from their current operations or menus and to create, you know, a white space in their, uh, in their business that they've never thought of. That's excellent. That I, I like the word partner and I like the word assist and, you know, not just um, being a provider of services, but also be an educator and helping operators sort of transition their business. Cause that was so important during, you know, the pandemic when sit down restaurants, their dining rooms were closed down. They suddenly had to pivot to, you know, the curbside pickup, the, the delivery model, yeah. the online ordering model, like all that is still going on today, even though we're, you know, more than a year and a half into, into this transition of restaurants. Let's go back to third party delivery, because I know it's been a hugely controversial topic with restaurants because, you know, initially the fees were very, very high. And even though they did provide increased sales, which every restaurant needs, it came at a cost. And then we'll also talk about the data piece because the data is super yeah, important to a restaurant, to its marketing and you know, third-party delivery services benefited from all that data and didn't necessarily allow that data to be shared with the operators that use those services. So how are things, you know, that was the old way. I know things have transitioned a bit since there's still a little of that going on, but you would be the expert to tell us the ins and outs of third-party delivery today and what the benefits really are. Well, I think, um, you know, if we look at third-party delivery services, um, I think one important thing about restaurant operators partnering up with that is to really understand the rules of the game. Because I think a lot of times we're just thinking from the operator's point of view of, you know, with a, such a low margin <laughs> on food, how are we going to how, how, how make money from that? But mm -hmm. uh, right. rather than using the brick and mortar PL, uh, we, al we also have to think about the marketing cost that originally that we're, we were going to spend uh, to generate the customers coming in. So it's really not about, you know, the typical 20%, 30% rents, 30% labor costs, 30% food costs, and leave us with no margin at all. But it's really about if we were, if we are doing on top of our traditional restaurants, um, you know, are we able to cover that with some of the, our fixed costs, right? Are we able to, you know, make up rent? Are we able to make up the labors? Um, are we able to utilize the unused, you know, labor force or, you know, spaces, right? So um, I think part of it is to really understand where does delivery service fits in all of these, right? And I mean, ghost kitchen is definitely another different topic. But when we're talking about brick and mortar restaurant business, looking for uh, extra income, that, that would be the questions that they have to ask. Absolutely true. Thanks for that. So what would you say the new restaurant landscape looks like? Because again, um, evolve or die, you know, survival of the yeah. fittest. These are all expressions we've heard about. And, and the pandemic has decimated the industry and over a hundred thousand restaurants have been forced to close, but yet there's still restaurants that are hanging on. There's still restaurants that have, you know, not only survived, but have really thrived during the pandemic based on a, a stronger model. And then there's those that are in between that are trying to figure out, 
geez, what's next? I'm, I'm struggling with the labor shortage right now. I can't, you know, I have to close hours certain days and certain, you know, I have to shut shorter hours because I don't have enough staff to keep up with the growing demand because restaurant demand is at an all time high right now. So these are all the challenges yeah. and pain points that you mentioned restaurants are facing. What do you think the, 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 the recent, well, not the recent, the, the current situation is and the immediate future. What's that going to look like for operators in your, in your opinion? What should they be thinking about? Well, I think, uh, you know, bec- because I was actually a FMB operators before and yes. looking into the delivery service, I think uh, an important thing is to, uh, like I mentioned earlier, is to really understand the rules of the game is to to look at how we're going to operate the business based on the delivery service model and what are the people that is looking for on the delivery service platforms and what kind of products that they're looking for. And um, oftentimes when I talk to restaurant operators, um, they're trying to do something called the creating, they're thinking about demand. Okay, so they're thinking about, you know, what can I offer to these people on top of my current menus? Or they're thinking about, you know, how I can pivot from my current menu to offer something. And that's what I call something called a um, creating demand. But what we really should look at is how we actually uh, fulfill the supplies. So thinking from the customer's point of view, what do they actually really want? What, do they, what kind of food do they want to see during the time of the hours or in the area of or locations of their house? Or what kind of you know, uh, portion sizes? What kind of, you know, what kind of uh, characteristics of the food that they're looking for? So I think that is something that is missing from the current you know, F&B in the, uh, operators. They're, they're really thinking about pushing out, but rather than gather in, right? So... It may be a bitter pill to swallow for some operators, but there are proven cuisines and concepts that have done better during the pandemic than ever. And there are certain menu types. You mentioned what the consumer is really looking for. We can't lose sight of that because the consumer is king. It's like what the consumer yes. wants, we have to deliver to a, to the exemplary nth degree. We have to offer that service. We have to offer that value. We have to offer that price, that delicate balance between those things. And there may be restaurant operators that have done things the same way for decades, and now they have to suddenly wake up and say, hey, this menu just doesn't work anymore. And we need to start all over again with something that is going to work in the new normal. You know that exactly. So exactly. What are some of those cuisines that are really the hot ones that will continue to be hot in the future? What are you seeing? I mean, there were certain trends that emerged from the pandemic, but those, uh, you know, those companies that were used to delivering before for the convenience factor, the the taste and the flavors the customers were looking for. What 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 continues to be the hot concepts that operators should embrace right now? Not answering your phone is one of the quickest ways for your restaurant to lose a potential customer. That's why your restaurant needs Pop Menu's newest product, Pop Menu Answering. With Pop Menu Answering, your restaurant will never miss a phone call. Pop Menu Answering is powered by artificial intelligence to answer the simple questions most people call in with, like, do you have outdoor seating? Or, what are your hours? This means the basic questions that keep your phone line tied up can now be handled without pulling a team member away from your in-person hospitality. 
Pop Menu Answering picks up your phone 24-7, 365 days a year, turning every phone call into an opportunity, all while reducing your labor costs and increasing customer satisfaction. Plus, Pop Menu's full collection of tools help optimize your restaurant's website and menu, streamlines your ordering experience, and assists in remarketing to enable you to build long-lasting relationships with your guests. Get help answering your restaurant's calls now with Pop Menu Answering. And for a limited time, my listeners can get $100 off their first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash rockstars. Go now to get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash rockstars. I'm actually speaking for probably the market in the Asia, uh, in the Asia sectors. But um, you know, I have a lot of experience working with uh, North America markets as well. And I would say that you know things such as more of a comfort food, right? More for uh, finger foods or more of a uh, you know portion, you know single portion food is definitely because when we're thinking about uh, ordering for deliveries. We're offering ordering for uh, either one person or two people right, right, at right. times. Mm-hmm. So something that is you know non-shareable, you know something that is big portions or something that are you know high ticket price items, I, I wouldn't think that would be the uh, categories that I would go in because people are exper- uh, are expecting more of an experience rather than yes. just food. But, you know, things in terms of, you know, quick service restaurants, right? Like burgers, fries, burritos, salads, bento boxes. I mean, those are definitely the hot ones right now. And um, I think it's definitely some something that everyone should be looking at. at yeah. And the Asian concepts as well. You know, the single yes. serve, easy preparation is so important right now, especially with the labor crisis. You can't have heavy prep items that take a lot of time before they're even cooked, you know, all these things have to be simplified and really, you know, zeroed in on, okay, what, what is going to be profitable? What's going to make the most money with the least amount of effort and labor in a simplistic, efficient fashion. And so many restaurants that were, you know, the sit down traditional dining where people would take an hour and a half in a dining experience, you know, that's still going to continue, but it's really about, okay, optimizing profitability and efficiency. So thanks for sharing that. So let's talk about just, well, let's go back to the concept of a ghost kitchen because, you know, many operators have different ideas of what a ghost kitchen really is. And that whole idea of a commissary comes to mind where all the food is prepared in one place, you know, and then it all gets disseminated either to outlets or or third-party delivery services then deliver it to the consumer and everything is ordered online and nothing is a walk in the door. I'm going to order this and wait for it. You know, that whole thing is shifted, but tell us about what the concept of a ghost kitchen really looks like. And then let's talk about your model at Just Kitchen. Oh, for sure. I I mean, the, uh, uh, I think the ghost kitchen concept came out due to, you know, the inflation of the rental prices globally, right. right? Yes. Yes. And so it's really the game of how I can utilize my, uh, you know, empty spaces or, you know, my uh, underutilizing, you know, uh, efficiencies, as well as how I can cost down my rental property rents, right? 
And I think, you know, uh, Ghost Kitchen comes with a lot of linguals. You know, we talk about Cloud Kitchen, we talk about Share Kitchens, we talk about pretty much everything, but it, it all just comes down to, um, you know, something called flexibility, I think. And to be, to be able to be flexible in terms of offerings, in terms of locations, in terms of labor forces. I mean, you know, we are not committed to, you know, a, you know, grade A locations anymore, but, you know, we can deal with locate, you know, B grade, C grade locations. We're not looking for, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of renovations, right? We can yes. start with, you know, simple kitchen equipments, right? And we're not looking for, you know, uh, front end staffs, right? We're not looking for, you know, labor shortages. We're, we're looking for, you know, what I can make as one person or, you know, whatever labor that I have on hand, what can I can make out of that, right? So I think the, the simple term for ghost kitchen, as I usually say, is flexibilities, uh, agilities. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. So you're, you're touching on a lot of key points here. Um, the overhead in a traditional restaurant is, is super high, right? And the margins are super low. And now we're suddenly talking about cost cutting in a space where location, location, location doesn't matter anymore. It's not about a highly visible location that costs a lot in rent or you know the real estate piece. Now it can be in an industrial area, uh, a space that can be retrofit yeah. to be a simple kitchen, all that sort of thing. And then obviously the customer has no idea where the food is actually coming from. It's all about the brand. It's all about about the marketing. It's all about the, the quality that the customer receives from that brand, of course, but it doesn't have to come out of a beautiful kitchen in a beautiful restaurant anymore. That's the, that's the huge transition that I'm hearing. Uh, well, definitely. I mean, um, and that, that is kind of like the uh, ongoing battle uh, that self the customers are facing because, you know, you know, that's the other side of the story where, you know, they're questioning about, you know, where it's coming out from, right? They're questioning about who is making my food and yes. they're questioning about, you know, what I'm actually eating. But, you know, um, there, there's always going to be debates for that. But, you know, I think as a restaurant operators, you know, we should just do whatever it takes to, you know, to make it as quality, to make it as clean or to make it as you know high quality as possible, right? And that's why exactly we're also doing at Just Kitchen, right? So although the customer do not actually see the facilities, but you know we do not undercut any of the equipment that we use, and you know actually we um, we prolong the training uh, period for our staffs to ensure that you know the customer receive top A grade quality food, right? So, you know, I think that's a very important part of the ghost kitchen. And, you know, I think what every operator should do. Everyone knows that Smithfield Culinary has a full line of great ready-to-cook to ready-to-eat products from Smithfield and Margarita. But what else is cooking? Tap into the latest culinary trends and get inspired with new recipes created by real working chefs from across the country. Bring more to the table with flavors and new menu ideas your guests will savor. Visit smithfieldculinary.com or follow at Smithfield Culinary on social media. Let's talk about what you call the hub and spoke model. How does that work? And try to explain 
you know, to the operator who's just learning of Just Kitchen right now, you know, yeah. what what's the big picture there? And and how does the hub and spoke thing work geographically? It expands the reach of a restaurant, all that kind of stuff. But take take us through the basics of that. All right. So uh hub and spoke model is pretty much a mothership with its satellites. So uh the hub acting as a mothership would be actually both a spoke. So meaning a ghost kitchen as well as a commissary kitchen mm-hmm. to provide, you know, like uh, produce some of the raw materials as required for our spoke. And spoke right now will become the satellite stores where they will act as a, you know, ghost kitchen to serve to customers. And the beauty about the hub and spoke model is that it provides flexibilities again to our spokes in regards to whatever food they're selling to the customers. So actually for uh, our spokes are all upper, um, you know, are all corporate run. So corporate operated. And then, but every spoke actually offer different kinds of menus. And, you know, uh, when we talk about offering different menu at different locations, supply chain will be, you know, the key. Correct. where you will have the biggest headache because you know you're not able to have that consistency in terms of menu offerings or you know portion sizes and that's where the hub comes in because the hub acting as a mothership very close to our spokes but be able to is was actually able to provide the flexibilities of the uh prep food or the raw materials that's being needed at the spoke level so that's pretty much like the hub and spoke model there. Okay, fine. Now the ghost kitchen, we've talked a lot about that. Now let's talk about the virtual restaurant model and how that differs. And that is a part of your business model where a restaurant can suddenly expand their reach with the same or similar cuisine that they're already preparing. And they can literally uh, increase the number of brands that is presented to the consumer you know, that features that cuisine that have sort of attractive, compelling names where people instantly know what that cuisine is about based on that brand name. It's all online and it's all, you know, it's a way for restaurants to really increase their productivity during times when they need sales to increase. Is that correct? And, and is that how your model works? Uh, well, that's exactly uh, what I was mentioning before about understand the rules of the game. Okay. Because uh, by offering, um, you know, uh, brands such as virtual brands or virtual restaurants, uh, it gives uh, more, definitely more exposures to uh, to the consumers. So they could be, you know, out of the 10 restaurants, seeing three that's actually coming out from your kitchen. So mm-hmm. there's a right. better chance of you getting picked uh, from the bunch of restaurants, right? And another thing is sometimes, you know, I, uh, to me, food is emotional. Meaning that sometimes when I'm choosing restaurants as a customer, I would like to choose something that really stands out from my personalities. So out of the burritos that we're selling, you know, it could be, you know, a rock star burrito that really fits into their um, personality traits, or it could be a healthy, um, you know, a Zen, you know, yoga kind of healthy lifestyle burritos that's coming out from the same exact kitchens, but, you know, they could have, you know, the exact uh, ingredients or, you know, differ by a little, but, you know, it's still the same exact same thing, but, you know, different crowd will kind of uh, 
accept different kind of brand exposures or marketings so that they can choose whatever that they really suits them, right? Let's talk about the delivery piece. Who's actually delivering the food? And is that a whole existing network infrastructure that exists in different uh, geographical areas? Um, yeah. So right now, currently, we're actually uh, partnering up with delivery platforms such as Uber Eats or in, mm -hmm. you know, okay. in Asia. You're using the existing platforms. Yep. And, you know, we're also using uh, third-party logistic companies. So we actually have our own delivery apps uh, where the customer can order from. And then we have the third-party logistics to help us to do the last, the last mile deliveries there as I well. See. So, yeah. Have you heard of any instances, or, or let's just say that human the element of human error will always exist in in any business model and when uh you know a food gets ordered and gets prepared and gets delivered there's timing involved there there is yes. um certain foods travel well certain foods don't travel well some food might travel 20 minutes fine and another food might travel five minutes fine and those two elements exactly. are combined in the same menu and then the ultimate consumer opens up the package and some things are good and some things are not so good but it's like they don't know who prepared the food or who to call or who to complain or how to how does that all work itself out because that still happens i mean you can't avoid it oh, of course i mean you know sometimes it could be just you know writer's issue you know it could be mm -hmm. a packaging issue but uh, at just kitchen what we're doing differently is we're, we're still trying to talk to customers without actually talking to customers so you know within within the the bag that we um the the bag that we used um you know to put our food in we'll also put in you know a, a little thank you card in there right to create that extra emotions to to connect to the customers Super and on important. there yeah on there you know there there is you know qr code where they can just go into our customer service websites, email addresses, telephone numbers, anywhere means them possible to reach us, right? I mean, you know, sometimes, yeah, of course, you can go back to the delivery service and telling them about the, the experience and they will probably just refund the money or, you know, just, you know, like, you know, compensate for that. But mm -hmm. we're really looking into the whole experience about how to bring that emotional parts to, to connect to the customers. Competitive advantage right there. And oh, again, yeah. give the customer what they want, what they're looking for, when they want it, at the right price, all the value, that whole proposition comes together. But that end piece where, you know, you're you're going one step further with the thank you card and letting people know, hey, we really care about the quality of your experience. If anything doesn't meet your expectations, here's how to reach us. I love that. That's beautiful. I mean, that's that's hospitality right there. And I think that you know, part of that has been missing in the traditional old school delivery model and now bringing the hospitality piece where customers aren't actually getting served by a specific person at a table, that whole experience translates to the delivery and the online ordering experience. I, I think that's tremendous. Awesome. So you partner with some pretty well-known brands and prestigious brands. I saw on your website that uh, Smith yeah. & Wallensky Steakhouse, I mean, that's yeah, you know, that's <laughs> notch right there. That's fantastic. TGI Fridays. I mean, these are great names. 
How can yes. restaurants um, get more information and, and partner, uh, you know, partner with Just Kitchen if they're intrigued by the idea, which I'm sure they should be because this is a new way of looking at their business. It's a new way of getting more efficient and getting more profitable and all that. It's like, what would you suggest uh, an operator do to take the next step if, if they're interested by this? Well, I mean, uh, you know, we're always open to different options as well as partnering up with different brands, partnering up with different restaurants. So uh, during the pandemic, you know, a lot of restaurants actually reach out to us and we're trying our best to help out every single one of them, right? So even with the full service restaurants, you know, um, during the pandemic, unfortunately they had to shut down, but, you know, we were able to, uh, you know, put a team together to actually go into their kitchen and to start a ghost kitchen uh, using their space and paying them rents. So, I mean, there's a million different ways of yeah, how, wow. how we think we can help, uh, you know, other restaurants and, you know, that we're just, you know, a meal, an email or a phone call away sometimes. Right. Let's talk about territories and exclusivity with, um, with your model. And, yes. you know, obviously there could be overlap of existing, partners that you have, but someone's intrigued and they want to get involved. Is there a certain exclusivity, a certain geography, a certain, how does that work now? Um, so uh, in terms of ex exclusivities, uh, we definitely look at the delivering radius. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes, you know, uh, with, you know, when we're actually situated in more of a CBD, like uh, central downtown locations, there's always going to be overlaps. But, you know, there's, there's a, a fine line where we think that would be the best radius, which, you know, uh, for different cities will be diff different. But uh, based on data-driven, um, you know, um, analytical answers, we, we were able to customize more of a radius for our uh, kitchen models. Okay, very good. Yeah. We started this conversation talking about the importance of the data. Can we get a little bit more in depth in terms of what that data is and what the end um, use of that data is in terms of marketing and you know promotion and building brand loyalty and all those things that are so important to restaurants? Yeah, for sure. So um, we are actually uh, leveraging a lot on data. So uh, over the course of the last year, uh, we started our own data science team. Um, was just kitchen and looking at um, how we can lower risks and increase you know chances of profitabilities through data and we do found that there's a lot of opportunities with data that has been underutilized so uh, anything uh, from where we're building our kitchens to uh, what kind of menus that we're selling it's all beta data driven at this point so we're not coming out with anything new. We're not, you know, uh, you know, doing, you know, complex models or you know sciences. But you know, some some of the things that we look for in terms of data are already public available, and you know, we've been using that, and you know, we we do found that helps actually a lot. So. Very good. We've covered quite a bit of ground today, Michael. Is there anything we've missed? Anything else you want to tell the audience about Ghost Kitchens, about Just Kitchen, about uh, what your best advice would be for operators moving forward that are listening to this podcast? Anything at all? Um, well, coming out from the delivery service <laughs> companies, 
that um, I think operators should uh, really actually spend a lot of time connecting to the companies because you know they are um, you know the the referees of the game and they're I think uh, all the companies are willing to offer a lot of great advices, strategies to any of the operators, no matter big or small, and they can definitely utilize them to expand their business. So, you know, I think from that would be my best advice to give to a lot of, um, you know, operators out there, you know, stay strong, you know, we will make it through for sure. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. So your URL is en.justkitchen.com. Is that correct? Uh, Yes. All right. I'm going to put that URL in the show notes to this episode. Um, I think it's a really well done website. It's very self-explanatory. It walks people through exactly how this model works. You've certainly intrigued us with your backstory and about how you know Just Kitchen works and what it's all about, but I definitely encourage the audience to check that out as well. So thanks for being a great guest on the podcast, Michael. Thanks for being with us. Thank everyone, you, Roger. Yeah, everyone for stay sure. well. Thanks so much to our audience, my listeners, for tuning in. We so appreciate you being here. Our goal, of course, is to help you run a stronger, more effective, more efficient restaurant operation. Thanks to my guest this week, Mr. Michael Liu from Just Kitchen. And thanks to our sponsors for bringing you this episode, Pop Menu, Seven Shifts, and Smithfield Culinary. Thanks again. You know, I've always believed in the importance of an exit strategy for your restaurant or your restaurant hospitality business. Now, that means different things to different people. Maybe someday you want to sell your restaurant. Maybe you're looking to buy a restaurant because there's so much opportunity right now. Maybe you want to maintain your restaurant operation, but do something else. Spend more time with family and friends, maybe travel. That is an exit strategy, and the only way you can do that is by having your operation really dialed. Now, there are three foundational elements to have your restaurant dialed, and I believe you should work on your restaurant now so you decide how or if you work it in the future. So what are these three elements? Obviously, staff training and development and recognition and rewards keep your good people happy and obviously help you attract what I call your dream team staff. It's having your critical numbers, your finances dialed, so you understand your inventory, your food, beverage, and labor costs, your daily break-even, all these critical pieces of analysis of your business so you know where you stand at any given point in time. And then there's the all-critical marketing piece. I call it affinity. It's like building a very strong relationship with your customers, your guests, so that they feel a powerful loyalty and belonging to your restaurant. So whether you're buying a place, you're just starting a place, or you're a veteran operator looking to just improve and increase your profits, it's at the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. Don't forget to leave us a question. If you go into the show notes of this episode about halfway down, you can record a message to me. I'll listen to it. I'll give you an answer, and I will uh, put it on the air in an upcoming episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. People go to restaurants for lots of reasons. What the customer doesn't know is the thousands of details it takes to run a great restaurant. This is a high-risk, high-fail business. It's a treacherous road, and smart operators need a professional guide. I'm Roger. I've started many highly successful, high-profit restaurants. I'm passionate about helping other owners and managers not just succeed, but knock it out of the park. You don't just want to run a restaurant. You want to dominate your competition and create a lasting legacy. Join the Academy, and I'll show you how it's done. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.